When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking and wheeling in the UK and beyond. I'm Adam Tranter. I'm Ned Bolting. And I'm Laura Laker. Slight hesitation. Ah. We haven't done one for a while, we're, we're a bit we're, rusty. Um, we're not as professional as we, uh, we thought we'd be. We're in our <laughs> high-tech podcast studio, a field next to some wildflowers at the edge of Hernhill Velodrome. But, um, we're here um, talking, well we were just having a chat weren't we, we, just, we thought we should ask how, how each of the were because that's what <laughs> that's what real humans do so uh let me try how are you laura uh wow that was really natural oh yeah it's like you really care i've <laughs> been cycling around a lot i think that's my usual response yeah i've been in cornwall that was very not very hilly extremely it awesome. extremely hilly but very beautiful Cornwall's very hilly yeah i had my e-bike even the e-bike was struggling at points i had to get off and push yeah. It was very hilly, yeah. Oh, God. Devin, Devin is the same. I've got a friend called Simon who's got very wrinkly ears. <laughs> I don't know why, but he was born that way. He's got very, it's quite small ears, but they're very, very intricate and they're very wrinkly. <laughs> and I always, and Devin reminds me of Simon's ears. Because <laughs> Simon always used to say to, about his own ears, he always used to say, oh, I wish they'd just relax. Oh. <laughs> and I think Devin's the same. Devin and Cornwall just need to chill out yeah. a bit because they're really hard, aren't they? Just up and down yeah. all the time. Chill place, but very unchilled when it comes to road landscapes. There's some quite fit-looking people down there, though, I noticed. Very quite fit-looking people, like older people who look very fit. Yeah, wiry, mahogany yeah. legs, that sort of just thing. Just yeah. keeping fit mm. out there, yeah. Yeah, outdoorsy. Yeah, not like us pasty Londoners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to, Ned? Riding my bike. Oh, hi. I did my first clipped in helmet wearing lycra wearing ride yesterday wow. for about three or four years how come it's just a bunch of people i've been asked to ride with but they were absolutely lovely people mm. and it was one of those piloted rides you know we have ride captains to tell you where to go and everything in the chilterns oh, which nice. also is a hilly part of the world which yeah. doesn't really know how to calm down i but did the chilton 100 once and it was really really, really hilly hard, and I, huh? I got back and i'd done 108 miles i'm not even sure how that was possible because it was meant all to be the wrinkles yeah. all yeah. the wrinkles Make it that bit further. And then I've just been riding my bike on the track with you, Adam. Yeah. Here at Hernhill Velodrome. So it's all about the bicycle so far, this podcast, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's great to see a man of your suppless <laughs> on a track bike. Because, yeah. of course, that was your metier. Yeah. 
as a youth. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Worth, I mean, I'm not sure our listeners necessarily know your pedigree on a bike. I don't want you to blow your no, own no, trumpet. No. But I don't really know what it is. So you're going to have to tell well, us. Well, I, ra- I raced, just as one example, I was never, you know, really good. But I, I raced here at Herne Hill Good Friday, which is why it's kind of like, I, you know, I like it here. And I remember my dad used to take me down here. And yeah, I, I raced in the Herne Hill Good Friday and raced against Bradley Wiggins one of the times. That was good fun. I've heard of um, him. Yeah, Barry Higgins. My dad was super chuffed because in one race, I beat uh, Sean Yates, who was racing. But Sean Yates was retired and, and just doing it for fun but, yeah, it, but Sean Yates was a former yeah. Mario Jean at the Tour yeah, de France exactly. so I mean you know that's that's no mean achievement yeah so that, yeah it's a little bit nostalgic and it is I should say like you know I was big this place up but it is a brilliant place and the fact that we nearly lost this and oh it's I do you know the same thought crossed my mind actually just because I haven't been down here for a while but just turning into the iconic driveway there with its you know its brick entrance way and all that sort of thing and I just thought exactly that I thought we nearly lost this and it was, you know, the people who fought to keep this place alive. And look at it. It's a beautiful summer's day. And as is absolutely appropriate, there's a local school who are on the track now. Oh, wonderful. And that's what needs to happen more and more. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's great. It's a great it's a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I've been doing a bit of bike riding as well. Just while I went around the track, that was nice. We did an English pursuit, didn't we? We were head-to-head, yeah. two teams. That was a bit of, uh, you know, a bit yeah. of fun. They're worried about what they call the corporate crashes here where yeah. they invite co- companies down for away days and people go over the finish line and then sit up and stop pedaling because they think they've oh, finished you can't, you can't, can't pedal, stop pedaling on a yeah. track bike but we we managed to keep pedaling which was yeah. uh, which was the main <laughs> thing and i was thinking about how i would get here a lot of my colleagues got the train which i thought was quite odd because our office is in fusion media which is my company and we were doing a away day for this this is why we're here they all got the train and i thought that's a bit weird and i just rode down here and i thought it was brilliant not that far yeah, is it Five it's not miles, far. I mean, I I went on the main road. I guess this might be quite illustrative for the purposes of our topic today. Very apt. Almost like it's planned yeah. or scripted or something. Yeah, because yeah, there's no kind of obvious way from... I sort of came via sort of the London Bridge area. But you came from East London. I got the train to Liverpool Street and then I cycled down. Right. Yeah, I went along the Walworth Road, which is a busy road. There yeah. was a bus broken down, so I was stuck in all the traffic. That was the only place I ever got ticked off by the police. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll confess. It was some time ago, some years ago, but I rolled through a red light. Yeah, I, I you know, in my defence, there is no defence. I was guilty. It's outside the statute of limitations now, so you can talk about I can, it. Well, I also I paid my fine, you know, like certain cabinet ministers. I, I, you know, I paid my fine and we moved. I drew a line. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was quite funny. Yeah, it was funny. The copper who stopped me happened to be a massive Tour de France fan <gasps> and went, and went, well, this is awkward, Mr. Bolting. <laughs> but I'm going to have to give you a £10 statutory fine. That happened Ooh. on the Woolworth Road. Gosh, £10? Yeah. It was quite a long time ago. I think it was, a, it was either... No, it might be more than that, actually. It might have been 30 quid. You could either pay the £30 or, or be oh. subjected to a 30-minute road safety instructive video down at the police station or something like that. Yeah. Half I an hour of watch the I paid pigeon. The 30 quid. Yeah. Catch the pigeon. <laughs> but I, I do now stop at red lights. Yeah. Anyway, so it was a main road route. wasn't particularly nice. It was okay, but did feel quite hairy at times. Yeah. Just right in the middle of the road. Right in the middle of the lane, I should say. Yeah. Claiming my space on the road, being very assertive. But here's the thing, Laura, you know, Woolworth Road is much more my part of London mm. than, than yours, obviously. I know that area probably a bit better than you. And yeah. so because I know Woolworth Road, I tend to know the parallel roads that are quieter. Yeah. And I can pick my way around, you know, just off the arterial road. And you avoid it as a sensible and, and, person And would. avoid it. <laughs> to a certain extent, it does require 20 years of living in a city <laughs> to really have that kind of mental map. Yeah. That it just builds up over time. And you can't expect people who are kind of like new to the area to know how to go about it and that's the problem yeah, isn't it? Yeah. even the routing apps were taking me down like city mapper was sending me down Woolworth 
Yeah, Google Maps does that. It's Google awful. Maps it's like, hey, worse. Yeah. you look like you're cycling. Here, head down the wharf road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're not Our very intuitive. They all kind of, they don't <laughs> learn uh, particularly, I don't think. Yeah, not responsively. So if you hadn't, yeah. you hadn't guessed, we're talking about routing. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the headline. Specifically quiet routes. Quiet routes, because we've had this sort of chat a little bit. We've never gone into full detail on it, but, you know, we talked about quiet ways and they, mm. they were sort of an original London staple. Some of them were okay and some of them were not so okay. And some of them weren't that quiet. They were a, a thing. And then when I was riding down, there's all these kind of mishmashes of, you know, in Peckham, there was a the spine route. And that was just like a thing that I was somehow oh, yeah, supposed to know right. what that means. You know, and then even like C22, like, what does that mean? <laughs> so I had, I had sort of no idea where I was going. And I probably wouldn't have bothered unless I had planned a route. And I hadn't planned a route, but I've got this little beeline GPS sort of widget on my handlebars, which I recorded as I was going and using it. And I'll play that a little bit later. But that showed me all the good places to ride off the busy roads. And I came all the way from London Bridge to Herne Hill without touching a main road not a single one and i didn't feel like i was vulnerable there were rubbish paths or anything like that it was a proper solid route you know a good i don't know eight kilometers or something like that so who's plotted this route in the gizmo well i think they use part of the google maps sort of style of stuff but as we know google maps is pretty rubbish so then i believe they apply their own like algorithms on on top and then also they use user feedback as well so there's a little button on it where you can sort of press a smiley face if the road's brilliant and if you feel like you're about to you know die then you press the red one which means not good route and basically that amalgamated starts to influence the way that they start to direct cyclists and it sort of got me thinking so i talked to a lot of people who i think are like on the cusp of cycling for transport they've made their mind in their heads that it's like a good idea like they don't need persuading much further but then they sort of you know the way that you would go in a car is not always the way that you'd go on a bike and there's always little cut throughs and that's the beauty of it but there's no real coherent way to bring them together it's something that um new cyclists ask me actually what is there a good kind of app that that gives you routes and quite often I don't really know. I say maybe City <laughs> but Map. There, is, there isn't really. No, open, I think they might use OpenStreetMap Beeline. I've got a feeling they might. Because I think that's a bit better for cycling. It's kind of an open yeah. source thing. And I think it's, they kind of do routes based on, I don't know, what's there in terms of infrastructure and mm. other things. I'm not really well, sure. Well, OpenStreetMap is, is much more readily updated with um, with cycling infrastructure. Yeah. So that's that's good because it you know it directs you in the right place at the right time. And a lot of the stuff's going in very quickly, isn't it? So getting it updated, you know, is important. I've always been surprised because I used to work with Strava in my in my day job, and people used to say, "Oh, what's good for route mapping?" And you know, Strava wasn't brilliant at doing that either. And actually, there's no real standout route organizer or route planner. And the signage is people very doing. Patchy. The signage is really poor around the country. I mean, think of outside of London. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been on the NCM. Oh, yeah. and The signage is extraordinarily patchy. Is it? Mm. Do you just sometimes find yourself in the middle of nowhere and thinking, "Am I even on the National Cycle Network?" So I went from Bodmin Parkway to the beginning of the Camel Trail. I had enough of Cornwall's hills. I was a bit traumatized. <laughs> so I'll go somewhere nice and flat. And so I took the train to Bodmin Parkway, and then I cycled five. Is it five kilometers there to the start of the Camel Trail? I had to stop, look at the map. Or I went the wrong way 19 times in that spot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I counted back after I'd done it. Signs were missing, Yeah. generally. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because that's one of the most or popular. Facing the wrong way, pointing the wrong way, the wrong way or just angles slightly wrong, or maybe covered yeah. with foliage, or they're just really small. Yeah, or ambiguous. Ambiguous, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're not very good at cycle signage. They've actually had to on the National Cycle Network. They, um, I think, Sushans use square poles now because when oh, they were using round yeah. poles, people they would just move and twist, twist them around. Yeah, that yeah. happened. That was one of the problems of the um, in Bodmin. Sent me up a nice hill. Luckily, yeah. I was on the e-bike, so it didn't really matter. And then I was like, oh, I've seen this car park before. And then, yeah, sure enough, I had yeah. Yeah. the same place. Yeah. What a yeah. bunch of jokers. They did fix it, actually, after I let them know. But. <laughs> that is a bit of a perennial bugbear. I keep raising it on this yeah, podcast, yeah. don't I? I yeah. think. But, um, but yeah. Someone will listen right, to it. <laughs> all you need is a square post, don't yeah. you? It's, kind of, it's, it's not really that difficult. What's your experience on the, on the old um, quiet routes, Ned? Well, well I was thinking about apps, you know, and I do remember I'm not a big techno file i don't like to have to depend on an app unless i can you know avoid it but i, but I did i remember a few years ago have a little dabble with an app called commute or commute oh, yeah. i use that one do you yeah and it kind of worked yeah. i can't I, i've, I've for, not because i didn't think it was great i just stopped using it and i've kind of fallen it's no longer on my phone and i've kind of forgotten about it but i seem to remember that was all right pretty good actually yeah, yeah. and it yeah. yeah what does it do it it, it kind of uh, I, I was using it in the a part is. of the countryside when I was doing my theatre tour, sometimes I'd have two consecutive dates yeah. within about 45 miles of each other. I think what, Leamington yeah, Spa yeah, was yeah, one. Yeah. I rode you from rode Northampton to, yeah. to Leamington Spa. And you, you rang me one day and said, I'm sort of in Dorridge somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so parts of the country I don't know at all. That's right. Thinking about that's exactly when I was using it to guide me yeah. from, ah. on quiet roads between provincial English towns that I don't know anything about. You know, And I think it did kind of work, mm, actually. Mm. Whether it would get you through the maze of London, I don't know. But I like the sound of your responsive app there your gizmo so it sounds very simple doesn't it the idea of just smiley face or an angry yeah, face yeah and all it's got is like an arrow and, and, and quite effective yeah, actually yeah. it's quite the arrow therapeutic kind of turns doesn't it the old one the arrow turns in, in direction almost like a compass Beeline uh, Velo 2 shows a uh, kind of layout uh, like a junction. layout with the junction yeah. so you, so you, um, you know sort of exactly where to turn and that's actually really then you get those weirdnesses where because you're on a bike you can go down that little cut through yes. snickety, snickety thing yeah. there but that's really hard to sort of map, isn't yeah. it? And like an arrow pointing there and you're kind of not yeah. sure. I didn't find the arrow very helpful. The, the map thing sounds a lot better because um, I did use the arrow thing once or twice and I just, I went up going the wrong way. I looked at the, yeah. I looked at my route afterwards because I recorded it. I did go three sides of the square at one point, but yeah, I think the kind of junction thing sounds a lot it better. It was a real big, big improvement. I was just able to get on with, um, get on with riding. There was one bit where, you know, it's kind of legacy infrastructure where there was a kind of block of flats and then, there's a, like a, a, a side cut through with a shared usage sign and then, um, you know, an alleyway ultimately. And I, I'm sort of like, I was like, where, you know, but I worked out and it was okay. And I was worried about going through parks because I chose the quiet route that, and sometimes that takes you through parks and stuff like that. But actually um, it was in areas where they thought about cycling in the park. So it was wide, it was, you know, yeah. it was sort of through and then, I sort of ended up in Peckham. So it was right. I wasn't putting you on no. a collision course with pedestrians. No, 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 not at all. And then, yeah, I, was in, <clears> in, I sort of ended up in Peckham, um, which was yeah. good, and had to cross the road there. And when this crazy <laughs> cycle lane, oh, contra no, exactly like, yeah. I know exactly <laughs> the one so you mean. So bad. It's, it's, it's a tiny it's strip like of a, Yeah, it's like paving stones. And, and you've got buses coming in the opposite yeah, direction. Yeah, and pedestrians. Oh, and, sort of thing, and pedestrians. It's about 150 metres long in Peckham Town yes, Centre. Yes, I know right exactly. Now. I know exactly. It is. Rye Lane. Anyone Rye Lane, Lane. Exactly. Yeah. We, know, we all know. Yeah. It's the craziest bit of oh, cycle path in all of them. it's yeah. yeah. It's insane. And I think loads of buses have driven over it, so it's all higgledy-piggledy. Yeah, it's cracked and it's kind of like... 
Rye Lane was brilliant during COVID. They've opened it up. Yeah. And it was shut completely to traffic yeah. um, uh, its entirety. Most, mm. most of, you know, for a year and a half or something is great. So my hypothesis is that we need to, oh, a couple of things. We need to do better for people on quiet routes because we can't, aff- you know, with my commissioner hat on, you can't build enough routes for everybody to use. Well, with your, you must know a little bit about this now, Adam, having done your job for a while. How expensive is durable paint i mean colored tarmac basically something that will last yeah i always think quite way one would be so identifiable if it was just bright purple all the way from start to finish okay. you know uh, like solves all your problems it's just a strip of a meter and a half wide and it's purple tarmac and it just goes the entire route and you know you how can you go so you basically it's almost like a route finding way because the paint wouldn't provide you know it's not like infrastructure where they paint a crappy cycle no, lane no, you're you're on about like knowing where to go Coloured tarmac, that's something that'll last. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Um, but then it that becomes, uh, you know, it doesn't need to be segregated, but at least it's navigable. It's more expensive than tarmac. There's a cycle street in Cardiff now, and they've used the red asphalts to kind of delineate cycle lanes, but also leave such a narrow, and they put a rumble strip in the middle, so it's uncomfortable Ooh. to drive down, basically. Oh, okay. so Probably it's the, not that nice for... Oh, no, 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 because no, no, you the use the lanes on either side. See, yeah. That works really well, and the, the colours make an actual difference to people's perception. It's like, oh, wow, this is a different sort of type of street now, so not only does yeah. it... We need collectively to settle on a colour, don't we? Because oh yeah, yeah. this I mean, is the thing. There's, bl- there's blue in southwest yeah. London, isn't there? Oh, we have blue in Birmingham, yeah, but in, in Manchester they're using red, like the Dutch red, style, so green sometimes. I wonder what yeah. it's like for people with visual impairments. If you're colourblind, say, and you can't see certain colours, that like, mm. would just be invisible to you, right? Or I don't know. Or was it? Yeah, my son's the, colourblind. It's a very good point. And the paint wears off. That's the thing about the yeah. These well, that's kind why I'm saying you need to do it expensively. Yeah, it needs to be. I don't know. Maybe just signs. Maybe just like the good signage. Yeah, when I went to... I guess our signs are quite little for cycling, aren't they? Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, I that's a very... Yeah. Well, when like, I imagine if... I mean, why, why are they top, so small? Why are they so small? Because <laughs> you only know they're there if you're looking for them. Because cyclists' eyes are so much better yeah. or something. I don't know. But then know, it means madness, if you're driving it? on those quiet routes, so you're not really aware of the fact that it is a cycling route as well. Yeah, and that's so a really as a driver, you're not why actually they, aware they? of people... Yeah, that, you know, you're going to encounter more cyclists than usual on this route. Mm. Yeah, because in, in the countryside, they're really hidden in the hedges. Literally, you might you might never notice them driving along because you're going faster. It's, they're so small. Yeah. But I just think, you know, make them bigger, have some sort of consistent signage. And with, like, mile... You know, how many miles it is to a certain town like you would have for a road. Mm. Sometimes yeah. you just get an arrow with a number on it. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. well yeah. we've started talking about... And lots of places have done this way before us, but our new cycle routing signs in the West Midlands will all be minutes it takes rather than, uh, you know, like 1.3 miles because no one really knows what that actually um, means. People who might not be cycling to think, oh, okay, I could do that in that journey. And I think that's quite tempting, isn't it, for new people? Yeah, like, oh, I could do that in 10 minutes. Too. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, nice idea. Um, but on the cost thing, I think one of the fundamental issues with cost is that there's a lot of big obsessions with the arterial routes, the real, you know, the, the stuff that costs about a million and a half per kilometre to build, the real high quality protected cycle infrastructure and that's sort of fine for the arterial routes but if you take a community about where we are now you know there's there's not that many roads that require that treatment but there's this whole network of back streets that could be really quite um, and they've started to you can see there's a bus gate at the end of this road there's a low traffic neighborhood in Dulwich which looks brilliant I cycled through and opening up that network but still even if the low to, not to criticize the low traffic neighborhood but the low traffic neighborhood's there but there's no you know additional sort of directions or signs or or you know they've done the bit of reducing the traffic but not the bit of actually helping people know where to go which i think's um, a bit of a miss 
Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I would as well. You can do a lot with the bollard. I mean, I remember um, I was in a talk recently. I think they were talking about the Torbay area. There's like you can do a lot with the bollard. You can do a lot with the bollard. <laughs> Your next book needs to be called <laughs> <laughs> You Can Do A Lot With The Bollard. Yeah, maybe I'm going to have Laker. a chapter in the book called <laughs> that, actually. Uh, yeah. Go on, what can you do with you the bollard? You can do all sorts of things. Anything, anything you can think of, you could do it with the bollard. No, I don't um, believe anything you can think of. <laughs> Can you go to space in a bollard? No, I don't I mean, a spaceship looks a bit like a big oh, bollard. Oh, true. No, that's fair enough, yeah. You can um, have bollards that look like spaceships for the kids. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true, you could. Yeah. There was this little presentation about um, making sort of Torbay area a low-traffic neighbourhood, and I think they would need nine filters to make the whole of the Torbay area, which is like three towns, like, you know, cyclable, easily cyclable, yeah. cyclable. Just using nine filters. Nine filters. Or you could use Go around dressed as a bollard. <laughs> no, I was going to say that. I'd say, or what you often find is um, the amount of bollards required just to keep cars off every bit of, you know, pavement. And oh, stuff yeah, you like have that. to stick them on the pavements as you well. You can either buy nine bollards and get the whole town to be a low traffic neighbourhood, or you basically need like 900,000 bollards to stop people once you allow cars in to stop them parking on the pavement to stop them being antisocial to all of these things so save yourself some money use less bollards build low traffic neighborhoods that's the uh, that's the slogan yeah i think um i went on a bike ride from uh london bridge to Herne hill and i wanted to just share that with you to show you a little bit of how the routing side of things works in practice and how that actually it sounds a little thing but you know, mode shift got me on a bike instead of getting on the train. Hello from Bermondsey, I think. Sort of London Bridge, Bermondsey area, and I'm going to um, go to Herne Hill Velodrome for a team day. I'm going to meet Laura and Ned there, which will be fun. And um, I've been to Herne Hill Velodrome several times, but I've always got the train. Before that, when I was racing there, I used to get driven from the Midlands with my dad. So I know where it is, I know it well, but I've got no idea how to get there from here. And that got me thinking. I think I know this to be true, that if we can unlock some of the quieter routes, the back streets, if you like, not the fabled kind of quiet ways, which were dreadful, actually. They weren't quiet at all. But the concept of filtering streets and building an actual residential network and a network that links our communities, I think that's got to be a significant part of the future and I actually don't think it's a future that many of us are talking about because we have a you know we have a focus on these arterial and you know radial routes going to the centre but if we're not careful there'll be nothing else connecting to those routes and they're the journeys that are people making every day so I'm exploring the concept of routing on this little ride and I'm going to use the Beeline Velo 2 now you might have heard of Beeline they had a, a Velo 1 their first product and it's a beautifully simple little device that goes in handlebars, connects to your phone and points you in the right direction to where you're going, want to go, and that's sort of it really. And the Beeline Velo 2 is even more, I guess, elegant. It's a tiny bit of equipment on your handlebars, connects to your phone, and not only does it tell you where you need to go, they've upgraded it so it actually shows you snippets of the map so you know which turnings to take, which is really helpful. And they've been crowdsourcing data on the best roads for people cycling. So people have been able to rate and review roads based on how good they are for cycling and feedback to the community. And they can provide you with a route based on that. So I'm actually going to plan my route to Herne Hill. I'm going to choose the quiet route. I'm going a little bit fast uh, if I can, because I need to be there at two and it's 1.30. So I'm going to hit go and that sends it through to my device so I'm going to go forwards and all I can see around here 
is people cycling, actually. There's that trope, isn't there? Oh, people don't cycle, shouldn't, you know, allocate any space or let them do it. And, and obviously the stats aren't brilliant, you know, mode share is very, very low still and has been, understandably, given the state and hostility of some of our roads. Just getting a beep because it's telling me I'm going to go straight over a little dog leg here. You can see the little quiet street onto another little quiet street crossing Dunton Road. Got little traffic light signals for bikes. All these little things make a little difference. Going back to the tropes of people not cycling, I've got a theory that when you're on these quiet routes, all you see is people cycling, and not just one or two, it's like tens, hundreds sometimes at evening peak. That's where they all are. So if you're driving down a main road moaning about people not cycling, Actually, what you're forgetting is there are tons of unseen people quietly just getting on with it, finding a better way to get about, including me, as I cross over onto a route that says it's a C10. Going through the little housing estate, dead quiet here. Cycle parking on the road, cycle hangers so residents can make use of the facilities. That's pretty good. Well done, Southwark. I think a lot of people know what journeys they could do by bike, but they just don't know what route to take them. And Beeline could be a really good option. It's those short journeys that make the difference. So where I'm going is nice. So I'm gonna press green, which I can do, because when I'm on this road, I get to rate it. And that lets other users and the mapping nerds know that this is good for cycling. I'm on C35 now. This is a sort of shared path, which Normally I'd be a little bit snooty about. Sort of seems to roughly work and cope with this. Little left down here towards Burgess Park, it says. Some kids on cycle hire bikes having a water fight. That looks good fun. Half hoping they'd spray me to calm me down, but I'd be careful what I wish for. Nothing here. Now that's why, because it says accept cycles at the end. So there's another filtered street. There's cars here. They can get here. You're just not getting that rat running and it's making the network actually usable and quiet. Kind of like how the quiet ways should have been. You can hear the noise probably a little bit now because I'm about to cross the Old Kent Road. So, a bit different now, I'm in Peckham. I've come out the park and then straight on over the high street. I'm in a bus only bit. Sort of old infrastructure, you can tell there's a kind of contraflow. Rye Lane is where I'm at. I'm just going right down a little. Okay, that's a market. Watermelons. Lovely. And trainers. With a little filter. Back onto the quiet streets. Little beep because I am turning left. Ladies just on a bike has just stopped chatting to a friend who's pushing a pusher on the pavement. That doesn't happen on the main roads, is it? Which is nice. It says on the road here, next to the little cycle sign, spine, whatever that means. Is it a spine route? I'm not sure. It's a bit, I don't know, it's, a, it's old school this. There's no priority, it's give way and not massively clear. And they've got some traffic calming up here, old fashioned traffic calming. Don't get me wrong, this is, fine but it's not quite as good as the 
newer stuff. So I'm going to go past Dog Kennel Hill. It's all changed since I last year. My friend used to live around here. Doesn't still live around here actually. It's going to sound like I made this up, but I didn't. Talked to her yesterday. Katie, if you're listening, said she's got a car and he uses it locally now. And I said they were doing loads of stuff around where you live. Just cycle for short journeys. She said, I know. But my uh, partner, he insists on driving to Lordship Lane to work and then moans about the traffic. And we've got to stop that if we can. Well, we can. We know we can. She was worried about how she'd carry her kids, and that's fine. Didn't know about cargo bikes. Didn't know about little bike seats you could put on. Still have some concern about safety, and I understand that. Saying all here, no access to Denmark Hill, which means that everyone's been using this as a rat run to get to Denmark Hill, and now they can't. Weird shared path behind a block of flats. C23 still. For those that know it, probably know what I'm referring to. I sort of feel like I'm on a country lane. It's quite a strange sensation actually. There's trees everywhere, a few back gardens, but and I'm getting a little beep telling me to turn right and I've done so. And I'm at Hernhill Velodrome. Yeah the last bit through Dulwich that was super nice. Really quiet. I think I can see Ned over there. I can see alone get geared up for the track. Hello! Hello, hello, hello. It sounded like a lovely ride, didn't it? I thought it sounded like a lovely ride, Adam. And I'm glad you got it in one piece. Yeah. And as I said earlier, it was just great to see you on the track. One of the people behind the Beeline Velo 2, the little widget that I was using to get here successfully and in one piece indeed, is Tom Putnam. And Tom, you're uh, the co-founder of Beeline. And I wanted to ask you what gave you the idea for the device in the first place. 2015, we came up with the idea, Mark and myself. Mark's my co-founder. We were just getting, we both cyclists, but not like mad keen lycra-clad cyclists just using our bikes to get around the city because we preferred it to the tube and we just found it really frustrating finding your way like often we would kind of know our way but um you just have to get your phone out of your pocket have a look at it and then on top of that the routes you were sent on weren't very good so we thought particularly in a city where you sort of know your way around it if you just be pointed in the right direction you could probably pick your own way through all the options you had just by looking at what's ahead of you better than something like Google Maps was doing. So that's where we started and sort of giving humans the freedom to pick their own way. And now we've almost come full circle in that we sort of take all this human feedback to then pick the best route for people. Yes, so the humans couldn't be trusted. (laughs) Never never trust a human. So just to clear it up, is this an app on your phone or is it a physical thing? It's both. It's a physical thing, but it's powered by an app on your phone. So The physical thing is sort of the surface bit that you see when you're riding. Your phone stays in your pocket, but you set up the route on the phone and all the routing and all the like intelligence is all happening even further back than that in the servers in the back end and in the cloud. It's where all the clever stuff happens. And the problem it solves, it sounds quite quite obvious in that sense, but in terms of the actual real life difference and real life feedback that you're you're getting from people, we just seem to hear you know anecdotally a lot of people saying yeah routing's a problem i'd like to do it but i don't know how to get there have you 
you know, because I know you were talking to TFL at one point, you know, have you sort of drawn a, a line between what you're doing and actually growing cycling and getting more people doing it and trying to lift one of the barriers, which is knowing where to go and feeling confident doing it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And um, we, you know, obviously we are a business and we have to make money doing this, but the when we come to the end of whatever our journey is and we look back like where we will think it's been a success if we've got more people riding so unblocking the barriers to that is super important to us especially as nowadays cycling is yes it's still like super keen people who see themselves as cyclists and enthusiasts but more and more people are just especially after the lockdowns and whatnot more and more people are just getting around by bike and i just need that little nudge the little bit of confidence to 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 do that so if we can make it a little bit easier help people have that confidence to do it then then yeah and you you your mapping kind of works in london few european cities and you've got you've got i mean you've got kind of really good data for the for like a few sort of big cities and then you're expanding elsewhere aren't you the routing well our product works anywhere in the world because where we don't have our own routing we fall back to using mapbox which is a third party but we yeah all across the uk all across germany belgium netherlands Luxembourg and then loads of cities across Europe definitely but but our it's all fed off the uh, feedback data that people give as they ride so like the thumbs up thumbs down on on roads that people can give as they ride that is for sure strongest in London and then some other UK cities some, some German cities but the way our system works is it kind of learns from what it knows in one place and applies that somewhere else so we don't have to have loads of feedback on every single street if we've got lots of feedback on one street in London and not on another it, it will apply that learning to the other and similarly if we've got feedback in london but not in manchester or not in berlin or not in copenhagen it still applies that like it will get better as we get data in berlin copenhagen manchester but it does have intelligence from day yeah. one that based makes sense. on kind of characteristics of the street or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I noticed when you were just talking about the different types of people cycling and in it diversifying, which obviously we, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, especially since COVID. But the thing that I really noted and pointed out in the in the ride is really that that when you're exposed to a certain type of road, you know, whether you're on a bus or whether you're on a, on a bike or in a car, you tend to build up a picture of what a person cycling is, and it actually ties into the sort of tropes that you hear about oh it's only for you know white middle class people in lycra and and the latte drinkers and all the stuff that you sometimes hear on 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 uh, on twitter but actually riding some of those quiet routes which i, I wouldn't have known how to get to without the beeline mm. and wouldn't have used there's just cyclists everywhere people cycling everywhere and none of them yeah. were you know what people would say is as i could you know as a guy cycling with his walking his dog like his dog was in the road like walking next to him because that was fine because the quiet the street was filtered you had just people stopped having a chat with their neighbors all on bikes and if you've just you know let's just have that if you're driving a, a a taxi or a car for work or something like that and all you see is the super highway blokes you mm. you you mm. miss all that stuff but it strikes me yeah, that that yeah. could open up many more of our journeys especially you know for women who tend to make more trip training so they tend to do more short journeys rather than like mm. arterial commutes and and things like that but yeah mm. i was going to ask tom actually this kind of ties back to a thing that we spoke about maybe a year ago you know when covid was much more present in all our lives and how uh i felt that during covid actually one of the most powerful tools of influencing public behavior came not from the state but from private corporations so when social distancing mask wearing and all these sort of measures first 
became part of our lives for so long, it was actually, we were learning from Sainsbury's and Tesco's about how to behave <laughs> in the new world, weren't we? Yeah. Um, and the, the measures they put in place were actually, they were the most visible. And, the, and I think the same about changing behaviours in terms of modal shift and getting people onto bikes. And one of the things I've always been banging on about is it frustrates me that the corporations, the big corporations, who employ lots of quite poorly paid, quite young staff who are physically active enough to get on bikes don't kind of incentivize their workforce mm to come to work by bike you know and i remember talking to you about uh, the great example i always think of in my idealistic thinking is presso monje why don't they make a big deal about giving all their staff a bike mm. and they can livery it all up so we all know that presso monje yeah, are doing the yeah. right thing so with your product strikes me and again it comes back to the diversity the sudden difference in the, in the people we see cycling in london and i can only really speak of london is driven to a great deal by just eat and Deliveroo, mm. yeah, and all yeah. those guys, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, and, and, and girls who are mm. suddenly there when a couple of years ago they weren't. Now, have you spoken to those corporations about about kind of like incorporating your kit as part of the equipment they supply their staff with? Yeah, yeah, we'd love to, and um, I think just from a so we, we have spoken to some of those guys, and going back to the point about like what we want to do is help people to get on bikes. You know, if we could tap into delivery, just eat, whatever, we would be able to access many more people and help a lot more rides. Because, I mean, I ride around London and I swear, like, 80% of the bike people I see on bikes throughout the day are delivering something rather than, like, somebody in Lycra going to work. It's just, um, you know, you're dealing with big corporations with all sorts of priorities. There's definitely a... I, I, to be honest, I don't know where this is now. It's particularly when it was all gig workers. Very difficult, like, actually giving people bits of hardware yeah. because, you know just complexities like people have to buy their own equipment and all that sort yeah, of stuff fast turnover as well the yeah, back. yeah 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 um but we we're really keen to do things where we can just integrate our software so mm. you know delivery riders are riding around with a delivery app mm. and then they're like switching into google maps if we could just integrate our navigation into there so the delivery yeah. rider says i've got to drop off a chicken curry here and it just mm. then guides them without yeah. them to switch into something else yeah, and it keeps them on a safe route um yeah. be good because i mean you know i think both those companies have a responsibility to keep their riders safe, but also they it's competitive. Like those riders can be riding for Deliveroo or Just Eat or Uber Eats or whatever. Like for them to make sure those guys feel comfortable and safe and looked after is really important. Yeah. Um, I can, if anyone from Deliveroo or Just Eat or Uber Eats is, is listening, I can <laughs> I can speak from, not many people know this because I didn't mention it, but um, during lockdown, I signed up as a Deliveroo rider and, and an Uber Eats rider, actually, in my local area. And it was the kind of time where I did quite a lot of deliveries at the local hospital and things like that. And it was, you know, I, I just, I was bored and I wanted to ride my, ride my bike. And I did that, but there were so many times where I just, like, I enjoyed it, but so many times I was just like, oh, sod this, because it would take you to Google Maps, you'd have it on there, you'd have your yeah your chicken curry or whatever in the in, in the bag, and, and then it takes you up like what it classes as a cycle route. And I had this big, heavy turn electric cargo bike, and it took me up, you know, took me up a thing with, with steps, basically, like foot, foot high, <laughs> foot high oh, steps God. all the way up because it's a cycle path um and and i'm there with you know with two orders one's like predictably one's a chicken curry and one's like an ice cream and it's just <laughs> you know it's next to each and other and you're just, you're just like sweating like mad and it, it's it's awful and if, if there was just better you know better routing i think it would be you know people would be significantly happier and and like even if that doesn't if they want to make their gig workers happier 
which they they probably don't don't yeah. or don't care. They can at least make it. You know, it's more efficient, isn't it? If you've got good routing, that's yeah. what logistics yeah, yeah. is your, your about. Yeah, your ice cream right? melting and your chicken curry getting cold. Yeah, that's thing not really efficient. Happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I think that you know they do need to keep their gig workers happy or their workers happy. However, however they're employed. Cause well, there's a shortage, bit of a shortage of workers now, isn't there? Because yeah, loads of people have left, and loads of people have left a lot of industries, and um, mm. yeah, keep them mm. happy. But yeah, the amount of times I'm riding along and I can hear the Google Maps lady directing these riders, and uh, it's a, around my area. I'm thinking, oh, you don't want to go down there. Yeah, just, yeah, that's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the busy and you road. end up seeing them like on a dual carriageway or something. Yeah, and, it's so um, dangerous. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, you know, we obviously we we try and work out what is a good route to send somebody on but something that we've been talking about a bit recently is like how you explain to somebody what that or make somebody confident in what that route's going to be like before they start so be that steps or dual carriageway mm. or whatever if you can just through like coloring the line or explaining it as having some sort of description they're saying this is going to be a tree line safe route or this is um on cycleways with a little bit of trunk road on it or something like that or this is going to have some foot high steps in it you're not always going to get it be able to just you know, the infrastructure isn't there. You can't keep people on beautiful car, traffic-free areas all the time. Yeah. But if you can say to somebody, like, this is what you're in for, um, mm. that probably goes along. Yeah, and, and Chris Boardman says this quite a bit. And, you know, for a lot of people who are thinking about giving it a go, yes, the infrastructure is going to take a time. But there are still, I know we've had loads more traffic on these streets, but there are still, in your neighbourhood, some quiet streets that, you know, that you can, you know, they shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to build a sort of life hack just to, sort of ride a mm. bike but but you can you know and i think that's super important for people to remember just finally tom your app your algorithm as well that, that goes into it what are the attributes that prioritize a quiet route what are you looking for for a good quiet safe route that is um you know is prioritized i guess on the app um i mean i i honestly couldn't tell you the exact things because there's a machine learning model that takes the feedback that people as people ride and say this is a good street this is a bad street it then learns from that and and feeds that into it's like it's all being worked out behind the scenes but i mean obviously dedicated cycling cycling structure mm. great cycle lanes you know like cycle superhighways where there's a bus parked in it not so good no so like yeah there's definitely flavors of cycle infrastructure just like the class of roads like something being a quiet residential street one lane like lit yep. with pavements down the yep. side of it all those things kind of and filtered as well with it. the you know you've seen where we are now there's went through quite a lot of bus gates and low traffic oh, neighborhoods yeah. oh yeah and i mean if it's somewhere where it's like pedestrians and bikes that's that's perfect um, there, there's a real gray area isn't there about cut throughs <clears throat> when mm. is a cut through a cut through when is it cyclable you know is there are there barriers at either end of this little kind of path between mm. two two streets you can't sometimes get any bike and yeah that, or on different types of bike i was just talking to somebody about um, yeah different the, types the, of bike. the road the surface steps as well. would be a is, is a problem for anybody any bikes but sometimes you've got the little um moped gates yeah, yeah exactly which are actually perfectly fine if you're on a normal bike if you're on a yeah cargo bike or a mobility scooter or something like or that trike, yeah. you yeah. go down there you, get you can't get through yeah. yeah road surface as well so sometimes you know it'll, it'll be a bike path but all of a sudden you're on really quite chunky gravel and if you're on a yeah. skinny little road yeah, yeah, bike yeah. you're in trouble yeah. that's where you really rely i would imagine on your users to inform the algorithm yeah we do and it's it's something that we would like to um so at the moment we provide a sort of fast route a quiet route and a balanced route which is somewhere in between but it's not specific to road biking or gravel biking or cargo bikes something we would like to do in future is do that kind of specialization for that because it is difficult even even taking the feedback that we have the thumbs up thumbs down or you know 
this is good, this is bad. It very much depends on what you are, on who you are, right? Yeah. So yeah. some yeah. people exactly like, which part of it this is the, the this is what makes cycle routing difficult for car routing. Unless you're, I don't know, you're driving a sports car in the mountains or something. Everyone just wants to get from A to B as quickly as possible. You don't really care mm. what, what else goes into that. Yeah. And everyone's got the same criteria. Whereas cycling, if you're on a Brompton or you're on a gravel bike, you have very different criteria. If you're, if you're riding to work, you probably want to avoid every hill you can. If you're out trying to get fit, you, you're probably looking for hills. Like the criteria mm. varies by individual, by type of bike they're riding, by what they're doing with that bike ride. To get it perfect for everybody, we will need to have criteria where you can say i'm doing this i'm mm. doing that um and that's and that's actually where going back to the thing about telling people what the experience will be like yeah. saying this ride will involve this is really important to us it's not just about it's going to take you 20 minutes as it would be in a car it's about telling you what you're going to feel yeah have on that ride even by time of day mm. like some roads might be really busy at school run time and that might not matter if you're in a car mm. but then if you're on a bike you'd really don't want to be with all those yeah you know, yeah, yeah. You're you're an alleyway with no lighting like a canal tow park yeah lovely in the day yeah probably terrifying yeah in the middle of the night yeah totally the other thing about the road thing you know with the, just getting made to be as quickly as possible it strikes me that our roads are of a st- you know a standard and and a standard quality and width and quality which is not the same for some cycle routes you know yeah. i think that uh, there was someone did a someone did a graphic of what it would look like if a car driver had to stop and press a button to to cross the road or to be trying to get through these big barriers to, to try you know yeah, just yeah, yeah. you just wouldn't stand for it yeah. but somehow we're fair some, game. i can't remember it's somewhere around orgate i remember there's one where like the bike path just ends in the middle of the road and it's on, just one way oncoming traffic towards you yeah. brilliant oh, yeah. thumbs down for that one sad face <laughs> yeah, yeah well exactly yeah. hopefully well, i should probably go and have a look at the data see if, that's, sure. see if that one's yeah. reflected yeah well thanks a lot tom it's been really um, really really interesting thanks, very much, thanks yeah, for yeah. Um, letting me have a go on the beeline bellow too i enjoyed it and i will use it to get back to euston later which I've, again i've got no idea how to get there so yeah. that's quite helpful follow the arrows follow the arrows cool so that was interesting that was routing yeah. very interesting I, that whole thing about that tom says about you know the unanimity of, of the motivation of drivers yeah. versus the variety of reasons to be mm. uh, people. It's really, yeah. it's a very straightforward point, but it's really significant, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, totally makes sense why yeah. there aren't decent routing apps. And, and why and why so why the whole bloody cyclists clumping us all together mm-hmm. in one lump is so frustrating. Yeah, isn't it? because yeah. yeah, and partly the kind of yeah. infrastructure and mm-hmm. routes that we've got. Yeah, that's that's kind of all we get. So that's all you get. There yeah. we go. Well, you've been listening to Streets Ahead. Uh, our editor, as, as always now, is Claire Mansell, doing a brilliant job, so thank you. Let us know what you think at Pod Streets Ahead on Twitter, and you can rate us and review us. That really, really helps us more than you would think. And share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Anyone interested in bollards... <laughs> uh, or, or, or bollards going it's to space or quite quality bollard yeah. chat today and you can yeah. find out our, our merchandise which says it's amazing what you can do with a bollard uh, is available <laughs> it's not, not available it's never going to be available um, but the uh, war on cars does it, it so does. maybe we should yeah. yeah it does I've got a war on cars hoodie oh, yeah, yeah. You got mm. all the merch, didn't yeah, you? Got yeah, got they're merch. doing um, rain capes now, so we need to up yeah. our merch just, game. Yeah. Well, thank you, and till next time. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye. bye.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.